Need more energy throughout the day? Looking for a kick to your workout? RockinThatIDLife.com has you covered with delicious flavors you've grown to love in tropical fruit and mixed berry, but now fall in love with the new fruit punch and orange flavors. Try them all at RockinThatIDLife.com. Realtor Mike Burgoyne with Real Brokerage LLC makes the moving process easier. Work with a realtor who plays and studies the game and will work as hard as the boys on the ice to get you the best deal. Check out Mike on the web at strikewithmike.com and jumpstart your move today. That's strikewithmike.com. This is Let's Go Blues Radio starring Jeff Ponder and two other guys. What is the worst goal you feel like you have ever given up in your career? Oh, I got to pick just one. There's so uh, <laughs> just one. How about, okay, let me, let me. Uh... Cheap, lying, no good, rotten, four-flushing, low-life, snake-licking, dirt-eating, inbred, <laughs> overstuffed, ignorant, blood-sucking, dog-kissing. amazing how in the morning I'd wake up and I couldn't find my toothbrush and then I realized it was floating in the back of the toilet and then I put one and one together and I knew who did it. <laughs> I was Gilmore. When a guy misses a slap shot, the first thing he does is look at his stick. <laughs> yeah, it really has nothing to do with the stick. Now the girls won't do that. The girls will internalize. They'll blame themselves when there's a mistake with guys have Jokin it came down from, from uh, I believe it was the LA Kings we were affiliated with at the time. And the guy just had just a, just a rotten attitude. Never thought highly of him, uh, you know, from that standpoint. So, yeah. Welcome to the second week of the Let's Go Blues Radio Summer Series. I'm Jeff Ponder, your host. Thanks for tuning in this week as we roll into May. Yes, playoff hockey's still going, folks. Exciting stuff. We'll get to that in a minute. Support for Let's Go Blues Radio is brought to you in part by RockinThatIDLife.com, where we help you make every workout, every meal count. Do life better. And by Mike Burgoyne of Real Brokerage Realty. Use StrikeWithMike.com to search for properties in your area and to contact Mike, who will help you put your dream home, who will help put you in your dream home or sell your current home. And by Center Ice Brewery, which serves St. Louis with flavorful hockey-themed beer. Find your favorite new brew at local grocery and liquor stores throughout the St. Louis area. This is franchise episode number 412 all time. This is season 12, episode 2. We have a special guest, and we'll get to him in a minute. But first, uh, well, first, you know what, let's do, uh, let's do drink of the episode. It is early Wednesday morning, so I am not having a beer um yeah i'm i have my my rock it's hard to see i always have trouble showing stuff like this uh this is my rock and that id life uh the one that tastes like tang the orange flavor very good i do not like orange drinks that much but for whatever reason this tang flavor so good i know i mentioned it before that dustin paul made me try it and i tried it i'm like okay fine you're right man i'll i'll give it a shot i'll buy my own now i buy them every round every time i want one uh, so again, check that out, rockinthatidlife.com if you're interested. Uh, it's something I drink every day. I drink the energy. It's great. Gives me a pick-me-up in the morning. I have another one in the afternoon, and it gets me through the day. I don't need coffee. I don't need soda. It's fantastic. Uh, well, let's start talking about a little hockey here, shall we? Uh, our show, right, Jeff? Shut up. Uh, so uh, let's talk about a little playoff action going on. So first of all, 
celebrate St. Louis, right? Boston and Colorado have been eliminated. Who would have thought that after one round of hockey, we'd be saying that? Uh, you know, we all know Boston had the 43-point advantage over Florida. It was a record-setting season for them. They were just look like barnstormers. Uh, I, I would be interested to see the percentage of people in the bracket challenge overall, not just ours, uh, Let's Go Blues Radios, but how many people picked them to win the whole thing because they look like they were destined. And it was the same with Tampa just a couple years ago, right? Sergei Bobrovsky stood in their way too. So uh, just crazy stuff, crazy stuff. And we already got the second round rolling in, but man, no Boston, no Colorado. Uh, they were the hands-down favorite. That was another. That was one of those series where I did actually see some people giving love to Florida. Like, oh, possibly, maybe. They were the President's Trophy winners last year. No one gave Seattle a chance. And uh, they played some great hockey down the stretch against Colorado. They had a great game seven. Uh, Philip Grubauer was ridiculous against his former team. I can't believe I'm rooting for that guy, but I have to. Uh, just unbelievable stuff from him. And then just timely scoring. Um, Bjork Strand in that last game, just, I mean, he had like three hit posts and two goals. Dude should have had five goals on the night. Um, just an unbelievable effort from the Seattle Kraken. And we're excited to see how they match up against Dallas, which, hey, let's, uh, let's talk a little, uh, well, we'll talk about Dallas here a little bit. Um, so kind of fallout from the Rangers game seven loss to the Devils on Monday night. Uh, so because of that, the Blues' first-round pick acquired in the Tarasenko deal will officially be Dallas's first-round pick, currently at number 25. So if you remember that that condition, it was basically whatever the, – the Rangers had two first-round picks, whichever one would be the higher one, as in like 25, 26, 27, like the highest one, that would go to the Blues, and the Rangers would maintain their lower pick. So uh, it's a little confusing, and I get it. Um, but basically, the Rangers, they acquired a pick from Dallas on September 19th of last year, sent, uh, and they sent uh, Niels Lundquist to Lund – Lundquist. I, I'm probably saying his name wrong. They sent him to Dallas, who he did play for them this year. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, they uh, – I, I want to set the record straight for some Blues fans because I actually did see people kind of celebrating this and saying, wow, this trade just keeps getting better and better, and, oh, we get a pick from Dallas. And um, I don't know. I'm just reading between the lines, and maybe it's somebody listening to our show. Um, I got the sense with people celebrating this thing that it's like they think they're getting an additional first-round pick. Um, no, they still have three. They're going to have three unless they make a trade uh, before the, the draft and acquire another one, which I don't know how that would happen. But – uh, this does not mean the Blues are getting an additional first-round pick. It just means that the conditions have played out, and the Blues now know which pick they will be getting. Dallas will be picking higher, so they will be picking with Dallas's pick. So what does that mean, Blues fans? I know everyone who listens to this show knows that I root for the Stars. I lived there for a short period of my life. I don't like it, but I do. Now I feel like I have to root against them. We have to root against Dallas because if they lose, the sooner they lose, the better the pick will be for the Blues. So all you got to do right now, folks, is root for Seattle, I guess, especially in that series, and hope that uh, Dallas can be taken out because that will be uh, nice for the Blues to be able to pick a little bit higher 
if Dallas gets knocked out. So no, it's not an additional pick, but it is uh, still, you know, a first round pick. So in a very deep draft, um, I also wanted to talk about uh, that, that trade that I just mentioned, the trade with uh, 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 the New York, Ra- I'm sorry. Yeah. The New York Rangers with uh, Tarasenko and Mikola heading over there uh, earlier this season. So Tarasenko, when it's all said and done, because the Rangers are out, they're done. There's a chance Tarasenko returns, and if that happens, we'll rediscuss this trade. But how it looks right now, Vladimir Tarasenko as a New York Ranger, 38 games played, and this includes playoffs, 11 goals, 14 assists, 25 points. He had three goals and one assist in the postseason. And eight goals and 21 points in the regular season, all with New York. That's just New York numbers. It doesn't include his numbers with the Blues. Uh, Mikola total with the Rangers, 38 games played, one goal, four assists, uh, two assists in the postseason. Now let's flip the tables and look at how Sammy Blay did. Sammy Blay total with the Blues, 31 games played all regular season, obviously. Nine goals, 11 assists, 20 points. So in terms of regular season, Vladimir Tarasenko outscored uh, Blay by one point, 21 points to 20. But Blay had the upper hand in goals, which is what Tarasenko was brought in for. Nine goals versus Tarasenko's eight. And then if you factor it all in with seven additional games with the playoffs, Tarasenko, 25 points, Blay, 20. Small sample size, right? But this is, let's just say, Vladimir Tarasenko and Nico Mikola do not end up returning to the Rangers, especially Tarasenko. This is what the trade in the end will look like. The Blues get an outperforming Blay and uh, a restricted free agent in Hunter Skinner. We'll see what they do with him. Dallas's 2023 first-round pick, and then because the Rangers made the playoffs this year, which we all knew they would, that fourth-rounder in 2024 in that trade has now become a third-rounder. So they've acquired a 2024 third-round pick. The Rangers might end up with nothing. Uh, they got Tarasenko and Mikola, who... Brought him, sure, into a high playoff seed. I'm sure that helped. But at the end of the day, they didn't go anywhere. They lost in the they won as many series this year as the Blues. So Blues might have just gotten away with a steal. For all the Rangers fans saying that this was a home run by uh, the New York Rangers, that may not be the case. Uh, Blues might have snuck away with a victory in this trade for sure. Uh, we'll see. Again, I think we revisit this trade if Tarasenko or Mikola resigns. And they go on and go on a deep run next year, but right now as it stands, advantage Blues. I don't. I, there's no other way to look at it. Sammy Blay has been a revelation on this team, so uh, gotta love that as a Blues fan, seeing such a big win uh, it, for a team buying uh, Vladimir Tarasenko, going all in on him, and uh, <laughs> Blues <laughs> in the short term even might end up uh, with the better end of this trade. I mean, that's crazy thing. A great. Stroke of brilliance from Doug Armstrong, if you ask me. Uh, a couple other news I want to get to very quick uh, before we head into talking to our guest. Uh, the Blues have signed uh, prospect Leo Loof, who we talked about last week with Vanessa Graff. Uh, he's been signed to a three-year entry-level deal. He was drafted by the Blues in the third round, number 88 overall in 2020. Uh, two seasons with, I'm going to say, Eels. Of Liga in Finland, he has eight goals and 18 assists in 103 games played. Uh, He also earned a bronze medal with Sweden in the 2022 World Junior Championships, uh, under 18 World Junior Championships. And uh, we 
We talked about him, like I said, last week with Stephanie Graff. She said Army will want to bring him over to the North American game sooner rather than later because they think they got something in this kid. Here we are, not even a week later, uh, he gets signed to a big league contract. So we will see him in the AHL next year. Who knows if he outperforms? Maybe we'll see him uh, on a retooling Blues team at some point next year. Um, but I, I see him getting at least a full season with the Thunder Thunderbirds before we see anything like that. But uh, maybe a hidden gem here with the Blues. We'll see. Um, but uh, very exciting to, to hear. And if you did not listen to our episode last week talking with Vanessa Graff, uh, we did break down Leo Loof a little bit and his progression, uh, where he's at, and uh, how soon we might see him in the NHL. So make sure you check that out. Well, we're talking prospects again, folks. Uh, why not, right? We're a retooling team. We're look. We, we're talking about draft picks right now. Where are the Blues going to pick this year? Next week's the draft lottery. We'll get to that later. Uh, so uh, we talk with Will McLaren, who is a. Uh, a very intelligent hockey writer for uh, the Hockey News, uh, the print version, as well as the QMJHL's website. So he reports on the Q, and obviously the Q have some pretty important Blues prospects who currently, by the way, there's four teams left in the Q's playoffs. All three of these prospects are still playing. So Zach Dean, Zachary Bulduke, and Marc-Andre Gaudet, who we called Godot last week uh, on, on the show, but unfortunately it's Gaudet, so it, it, it's a little easier to pronounce than <laughs> some people might think. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, we're excited to kind of learn about these guys, and, and uh, we'll have more with Will here in a minute, so it was awesome having him on. We had a good 40-minute discussion about these prospects and where they're at and what Blues cans can expect in the next couple of years from these guys. Uh, quick reminder that we have our all-time team reveals starting uh, this month. Uh, so in just two weeks, actually, unless some breaking news happens with the Blues, uh, in two weeks we'll have our first reveal show, uh, and that will be the uh, left-handed D. So uh, you, will, uh, you will be able to see where your votes rank in your Twitter poll. So remember, go over to our Twitter page, at LGB Radio, vote on the polls, Right now, we've got one up, uh, if you're listening to this on Wednesday or Thursday, uh, right-handed D, the first poll is up, and that is Al McInnes, Bob Plager, and Rob Ramage. So who belongs on the all-time team uh, out of those three, or do all of them belong? We'll find out, but go ahead and vote. Tell us which one you think belongs, and uh, we, will, uh, we will reveal your results very soon for right-hand D. But again, in two weeks, that left-handed D show is coming up, so make sure you vote. If you're not on Twitter, you can go over to your fa our Facebook page, and uh, we'll have a link up there on how to get to the Twitter page and go ahead and make your vote. Uh, and then again, always remember to comment on the Twitter poll as well. If you're on Facebook, just comment in the face in the Twitter link uh, on the post there. And uh, best comments win prizes. We've got plenty of prizes to give away this summer. So uh, I'll admit. It's been thin. We haven't gotten a lot of comments. We've gotten a lot of uh, votes, but not a lot of comments on why people are voting the way they are. So jump in there. you got a good chance to win a, pro a prize this year. So uh, get in there. Let's see it. Well, uh, we are going to take a quick break for commercial. So uh, when we come back, you will hear from our friend, our new friend of the show, uh, Will McLaren, to talk about the Q prospects, Bolduke, Dean, and Gaudette. We'll return after these messages. 
every beer league hockey night, I grab my hockey bag and sticks and throw them in the trunk of my car. And the very next thing I do, I mix up a boost of energy courtesy of rockinthatidlife.com. It's formulated to break up its delivery in three ways, which helps me get through all three periods of hockey. Phase one provides a rapid onset of energy, concentration, alertness, and motivation. By period two, I'm receiving a dose of sustained energy, increased focus, metabolism, cognitive function, performance, and feelings of well-being, which I need with the way I play. In Phase 3, I'm getting fatigue protection without jitters and crash, an elevated mood and a reduction of fluid retention to help me make the big play when it counts. This same triphasic approach helps me when I drink it during work hours or simply just for a pick-me-up when I need it. Try one of the four energy flavors by visiting rockinthatidlife.com, but make sure to email Dustin at rockinthatidlife at gmail.com and tell him Let's Go Blues Radio sent you to receive an additional 10% off your order. That's rockinthatidlife.com. Centerized Brewery is a beer lover's dream for hockey fans. Based in St. Louis, Missouri, owner Steve Albers has been brewing hockey-themed favorites for thirsty sports fans since 2017. From the Beauty IPA to the Old Arena Lager, a cold, frosty, hockey-themed beer is just what the doctor ordered for hockey fans in St. Louis. Make sure to check your local beer store for Center Ice Brewery Beer today. LGB. Let's go beer. During the magical 2019 playoff run, I was in the midst of buying my current home. Every time I spoke with my realtor, obviously, home buying was the discussion. But in the back of my mind, I couldn't stop thinking about what was destined to happen for our St. Louis hockey team. If only there were a realtor who could have walked me through the process, held my hand when needed, but was there to be a sounding board when I wanted to complain about a certain hand pass goal. Let realtor Mike Burgoyne with Real Brokerage be that for you. He'll have your needs top of mind as he skates you through the home buying or selling process, dangling you past any obstacles and assisting on all your home goals. Check out strikewithmike.com for more information or give him a call directly at 314-753-4060. That's Mike Burgoyne with Real Brokerage at strikewithmike.com and that number again is 314-753-4060. Don't forget to tell Mike that Let's Go Blues Radio sent you. And now, back to Let's Go Blues Radio, the longest running St. Louis Blues podcast with Price, Ponder, and Day. And we are back from break, and I am joined by a special guest on today's show, Will McLaren, a writer at the QMJHL and the Hockey News and co-host of the Hockey News on the Q podcast. Uh, Will is here to talk about some blues prospects as well as the current Q playoffs that are going on right now. Uh, Will, thank you very much for joining us at Let's Go Blues Radio. All right, uh, Jeff. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. And yeah, certainly a lot to talk about. Uh, the Blues uh, in the past have uh, not uh, shied away from uh, uh, drafting out of the queue, and uh, there's a number of prospects uh, still alive in the uh, Gilles Courteau Trophy playoffs uh, that are that are worth mentioning as, as the uh, race to the final heats up here uh, in Q-Land. So let's talk a little bit about you to get started, because you uh, you were telling me before we, we started recording here, you've been reporting on the queue for a while. Clearly, the queue has produced some pretty incredible players from Guy LaFleur to 
uh, Pierre Turgeon, which Blues fans are very familiar with, Nathan McKinnon, Sidney Crosby, even Thomas Shabbat is another name that comes to mind. For you reporting, uh, who do you, what NHL talent have you seen at the queue that you were just like, this kid's going to make it, this kid's great, and clearly you were right. I know a name like Crosby comes to mind, but I want to hear your answer. Well, uh, definitely Crosby is uh, the first name that comes to mind for me, not just because he is the most talented junior-level player that I've seen come through the queue, uh, and probably still top two or three, I'd say, you know, definitely Connor Bedard would uh, give him a run for his money, but that's certainly uh, not a knock against Sid. And I can't, and I'm not just saying that because I actually live in Sid's hometown of Cole Harbor, Nova Scotia. <laughs> but uh, beyond all that, you know, I, I've been covering the queue in one way, shape, or form for about 18 years. Been following it for, and I hate dating myself like this, but uh, about 20, 28, 29 years, uh, pretty much since uh, it uh, the league first came uh, to the Atlantic provinces here in Canada. Um, and obviously, you know, you could talk about the McKinnons, the uh, guy like Alexander Radulov as well, um, guys who were superstars at the junior level. And you just knew they were going to be in the NHL. And in, in the case of some of the uh, higher ranked guys, guys that probably could have been taking a regular shift in the NHL in their last year of junior, um, if not for the uh, you know rules around the NHL draft. But uh, for me, uh, and I'll actually keep this uh, kind of blues-centric, um, uh, a couple of guys, amongst others, that, that stick out to me that uh, the first time I saw both of these guys, they, they remind me of, of um, guys in the past who just had the overall game, the 200-foot game. They were skilled with the puck. They were skilled away from the puck. And although they were not quite as highly uh, touted as your McKinnons, as your Crosby's, what have you. You knew that they could be special at the NHL level. And they both came into the league the same year in Moncton. I originally from Moncton, New Brunswick. Uh, Ivan Barbashev and Dmitry Yaskin. Um, they, they were uh, line mates in uh, Moncton for, uh, for one season. Jaskin was with us for uh, one season, Barbashev for, uh, for uh, two. Um, sorry, three actually, three seasons uh, with the Wildcats, and they always brought that you know that that grittier game, but also highly skilled offensively. And of course, we saw um, Ivan celebrating with the Stanley Cup uh, back in 2019 with the Blues, uh, and it's things like that that you know make you proud to follow the league. Uh, you know, knowing that you know you saw this kid really develop. Some of his key formative years were spent with you, you know, calling the action or writing about them. And, and that's just two. And I'll actually throw in a third name there, um, keeping the Nova Scotia theme alive. And it was actually, and actually came to my mind from talking about time in Moncton. And of course, Ivan Barbashev, uh, Brad Marchand, who uh, of course, everybody loves Brad Marchand. He's such, yes. he is such a likable talent out there. Um, very modest, diminutive, and you know, despite despite not having a loud voice and 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 not uh, not playing that in your face style that other guys do. Uh, <laughs> so you can stop me at any time, Jeff. No, I, thought, no, keep I going. never thought this would go this far, but um, <laughs> at the end of the day, there's a guy uh, who I think epitomizes what you can do 
Um, and it's going to sound weird for anybody who's seen, anybody who's followed him in his NHL career, uh, but anybody who has the right attitude. And I know there's probably a few people who are saying Brad Marchand, right, right attitude. Like you, know, you should end the interview now, but it's not quite the case. He's a kid who actually uh, came to Moncton as a 16 year old, um, a veteran laden Wildcats team. Didn't look like there was going to be a spot for him on the roster, and. Uh, he went into the uh, coach's room. Coach wanted to chat with him about where he saw himself uh, in future years uh, with the team. And Brad came out and said, well, when I make this team this year, he said, I'm, I'm going to basically do everything I can to become uh, one of the best players in the league. And coaches just sort of looked at each other as if to say, this year? And uh, he wasn't even, you know, he wasn't even the most highly touted player off of his uh, under 18 team when he got drafted into the queue. Uh, and sure enough, he came in, he literally out hustled uh, an, an established player for their spot in the roster. Um, he ended up being um, a solid prospect at 16 and a burgeoning star at 17, and that's what got him drafted to the Boston Bruins. So, you know, for, for all that you can say about a guy like Brad Marjan, um, in a lot of ways, he he could be the poster boy for um, some of the talent that comes through the Quebec League, and really all of the CHL that doesn't necessarily get the notoriety while they're playing junior or even while they're playing semi-pro. But eventually they make that name for themselves once they uh, get to the top run. Yeah, that's impressive. Yeah, and I'm glad you've seen Ivan Barbashev because the, another question I really wanted to ask you about was when this trade happened for the Blues, sending Ivan Barbashev to the Vegas Golden Knights. Clearly, you covered Barbashev. Now you're covering Zachary Dean. When you saw this trade go through, what were your initial thoughts? Um, my initial thoughts were. Uh, it's it's very well suited for both teams. And I'll be honest with you, and again, not a knock against Ivan, who's uh, I've, I've enjoyed watching Ivan play since he was 17 years old. But I was a little bit surprised that the Golden Knights were willing to let go of a guy like Zach Dean, mainly because um, Zach Dean is a lot like Ivan Barbashev, but he's, you know, seven or eight years younger. Um, from a contractual standpoint, obviously that makes a big difference, especially for the Golden Knights who are always, you know, playing that uh, wicked dance with the um, salary cap. Um, but uh, beyond that, um, I say, I, I actually, uh, I, I did a profile piece on Zach for uh, the Hockey News back in the fall and talking with uh, their uh, director of player personnel. Um, he could not even trying to sort of jostle him for, you know, okay, where do you see uh, a player like Zachary? Uh, where do you think he could improve? Um, what are some of the things that you told him to come back to junior and work on? Um, either he was keeping uh, the best poker face ever, or he legitimately felt that for, in the case of uh, Zach Dean, it was much more a case of re refining the already solid talents that he has. And uh, if you're a Blues fan, um, you're not only going to enjoy watching this player 
come through your organization, you're going to you're going to enjoy what he does to the opposition because he makes the opposition's life very miserable. Um, and and not through anything nefarious. Like this isn't you know uh, this is he is not a dirty player in the least. Um, he's a little bit edgy, but he's just he's so hard to knock off the puck. He's fast. His, his, his skating is spectacular, and he's he's got a very low center of gravity. He's a guy who's very hard to knock down, and it's just going to annoy the opposition to no end. It happens in junior, and at the same time, he's a guy who can put up a point a game at the junior level as well. And he's Zach Dean when he came to the queue, he was highly touted. He was drafted fourth overall by Gatineau. And he came to the league with a reputation as an offensive star. And at the under-18 level, he was averaging, I believe, about two points a game for a very reputable league. He's originally from Newfoundland, um, but uh, he was playing in a league in Toronto against some pretty stiff talent and averaging you know, well over a point a game, probably close to two points a game. And that first year, you can see that offense really starting to click. And then going into a second year, uh, Gatineau changed coaches. They brought in a guy named Louis Robitaille. Um, and Louis preaches a two-way game. And uh, he saw the potential in, in Zach to really hone that 200-foot game. And uh, and this is another reason why people are going to love him in, in uh, St. Louis, especially the coaching staff. Um, Zach was able to uh, accept that message, which let's let's face it, Jeff, when you're 17 years old and you have been the sniper on your team all the way through up to this point, it's pretty hard sometimes to accept the fact that your coach wants you to back check a little bit more. But uh, Zach assumed that role. And in the process, he assumed the leadership role in Gatineau. He's now uh, one of the assistant captains. With the Olympic, um, the Olympic ended up, I believe they did end up as the number one ranked uh, junior team in uh, in Canada this year, and for good reason. Um, uh, he's in a very tough battle uh, against the Quebec Rampire in the semifinal right now against uh, another guy who we will be talking about, I have no doubt, very yes. shortly, and Zachary Bolduc. Um but he is just so efficient, and he can play up and down the lineup. You know, he was a first-liner for a long time in Gatineau. Gatineau made a series of deals at Christmas. He's now uh, on line 1A, let's call it, but he's not on the clear-cut first line anymore, and that's fine. He represented Team Canada at the World Juniors. He's the third liner, and quite frankly, he had he really had to hustle his way onto that team. And at the end of it all, he became one of the most effective forwards um, alongside another Q guy uh, who's an Anaheim prospect in Nathan Goche. Um, on on that very uh, stingy Team Canada checking line. So, and that tells you everything you need to know about uh, Zach Dean. Um, he, he doesn't necessarily care where he plays. He wants to play. And he's going to do whatever the assignment is to bring the team success. And if that doesn't make him a bona fide prospect, well, nothing does. Yeah, I mean, the, the terminology that I've seen when talking about him is – breakneck pace and I think that speaks to uh, multiple areas right like not only is he quick but he's a guy who's going to force turnovers and force just 
the other team to really think what they're going to do because he's always going to be in your face and he's always going to, and it sounds like he's picked up that defensive side of his game, which is, I mean, like you said already, the blues coaching staff is going to love that in camp. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, you've seen, like we all saw the blues win the cup in 2019. You saw the guys that Craig Berube was throwing over the boards night after night, you know, your O'Reilly's, your Barbachev's, um, just to name a, a couple, uh, right off the top of, uh, right off the top of the head. Um, but, um, Zach Dean fits that mold in as much as, and that's not a, that's not a comment, uh, on his skills comparing him to any one of those players or, um, you know, uh, anybody else, uh, uh, in the organization per se, but it does speak to his, um, his willingness to accept whatever roles, uh, um, forced, uh, through his way or whatever role is, uh, given to him. He's very accepting of it. Um, and again, like you say, you know, breakneck speed, it's a pretty good way to describe it. You know, he is very, he's very quick. And in fact, you know, you talk about that edginess. Sometimes that that quickness can sometimes um, lead to um, maybe a bit more edginess than than what uh, uh, you'd like to see. Sometimes as acting, I, I'm thinking specifically the first game of the World Juniors this year against Czechia, uh, where he was called uh, for a hit from behind. He got five in a game. It was a solid hit, more than anything. It was not. Uh, you know, it was uh, a guy hitting another guy into the end wall with speed. Um, not even so much as a charge per se. You probably could have called it two for charging. But it just looked like a violent hit because Zach Dean is a very fast player. He, he, mm-hmm. he plays the plays the game at a very, uh, very high tempo. And as a result, he did get five in the game. But, I mean, it's something that's really telling. Uh, anybody who's watched a lot of IHF events over the years and know um, how suspensions work at tournaments like that, he actually didn't get suspended. So, which is, you know, five in a game, that's generally a ticket to sit out at least a game. And that didn't happen with him, uh, quite frankly, because, you know, when you, you know, when you looked at it in real time, you know, that's, that's a, you know, that's a borderline dirty hit by Zach Dean. No, no, he knew what he was doing. He just did it really fast. Right. Yep. Yep. Uh, so right now you, we talk about his pace. We talk about his ability to get on the four check and defend, but you said it earlier as well. He came in as a goal scorer. He is a guy that's going to put up points. And currently uh, we are talking on May 1st. Uh, currently he is leading the playoffs in the queue in points, uh, which is just, you know, gr- I mean, you think about the talent in this league and there's four teams left and he's leading. Um, has he turned his game up another notch in the playoffs, or is this just what you expect from Zach Dean? Um, yes, to both. Um, he's, um, you know, he, he does have big game experience uh, relative whatever level he's played at, like even going back to his days uh, playing you know, under 15 hockey in Newfoundland. He's been involved in you know regional championships and scored big goals. Uh, during those events, and 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 that same uh, mo has just carried, uh, has has you know carried through with him all the way through his development. Uh, again, we saw it at the World Juniors. Um, was Zach Dean the most 
uh, clear-cut, talented guy. Were there, were there guys that are arguably more talented who didn't make the roster? I think it's safe to say yes, but he fit a certain role. Uh, he's versatile. He can play center and wing. You know, for example, the leading scorer in the regular season was a guy named Jordan Dume, who plays down the road from me here in Halifax. Uh, Dume had 140 points. Uh, he was an offensive threat seemingly every time he uh, jumped over the boards. But he's a winger, and he couldn't, and and he's not a center. Um, he he could not fit that dual role. Therefore, there was no spot for him on Team Canada this year, especially with guys like Bedard and Gunther and and Joshua Waugh, who were just uh, you know who 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 just pretty much had their spots set in stone. A guy like Zach Dean not only had the willingness to play up and down the lineup, mostly down, to be honest with you. But the, he also had the adaptability. He could go to the wing uh, and he could handle those assignments uh, very easily, which by nature he should be able to because you know being a defensive center is uh, obviously a little bit more challenging than being a, a defensive winger. Um, but um, at the end of the day, he took the assignment. And as far as answering your question about the offensive output, um, this year in the Quebec League, there are basically four – very strong teams. There's Gatineau, Sherbrooke, Quebec, and Halifax. And to be honest with you, there's four, those four teams were head and shoulders over the other 14 teams in the league. So, you know, for example, Zach Dean, before this round started, um, he his team has gone eight and one in the playoffs. Some of them one-sided, some of them very one-sided. Um, so he did rack up the points as a result, but at the end of the day, um, that that shouldn't diminish what he's done so far. Um, the natural ability for him to uh, put up those points is still evident. And quite frankly, uh, I think offensively, especially in the second half of this season, he was getting overlooked a little bit uh, because, um, as mentioned, you know, a number of trades happened in Gatineau. Um, they put together a very strong first line. Uh, with a couple of NHL prospects, there's Buffalo prospect Olivia Nadeau, um, Mont- Montreal Canadiens prospect Riley Kidney, and and they're playing with uh, Philadelphia prospect named Alexis Gendron. Those three came together and formed the most potent, arguably the most potent line this side of Bedard in Major Junior in the second half of the regular season. And Zach Dean was really relied upon more for secondary scoring. That line, especially in the second round of the playoffs, that that very potent line kind of dried up a little bit during the second round against Drummondville. Zach Dean brought his offensive game up a notch. And that's, again, that's just Zach Dean being Zach Dean. He, uh, you know, it's it's not that he, he will turn it off and on, but when he realizes that the pressure can perform, is a little bit higher and maybe, you know, if there's somebody else on, on the team that's kind of having, in a bit of a slump, Zach Dean's the guy that you can rely on, hit your horse to, and probably result and probably uh, ask for, you know, the proverbial 110% when he's given a hundred percent and you'll get the 110%. Yeah. So on the other side of the ice from Zach Dean, you've mentioned him already, but Zach, uh, Zachary Bull Duke, another Zach on the blues prospect depth <laughs> chart. Uh, he's with the Quebec Rampar. Uh, they are currently up, I believe, one nothing in their series. Um, but uh, Mr. Bull Duke right now only sits at uh, nine points uh, in in the playoffs. So 
you know, Quebec clearly good team. He's not putting up the points that Dean is, but what are you seeing from him this playoff? Well, what we're, what you're getting from Zach Bolduke is a constant offensive threat. Um, he he's not known as the two way threat that uh, that a guy like Zach Dean is, but um, uh, from an offensive standpoint, um, he plays a very sophisticated game. Um, his release, his shot are both pro level now. Um, he's a back-to-back 50-goal scorer in the league, which I guess is part of the reason why I would say, Jeff, I'm not overly concerned over the somewhat lack of production. And you say, you know, he has nine points. Um, Quebec has only played 10 games in the playoffs Point. so far. So they so they, you know, they, they swept their first-round opponent. Uh, they swept the Charlottetown Islanders in round one. Um, they swept their second round opponent, um, the uh, Ramuski Oceanic, uh, but uh, and Bolduc's former team, ironically. But uh, and they're they're now up two two nothing against uh, Gatineau with uh, that series now shifting to Gat uh, back to Gatineau um, on Thursday. Oh, sorry, Wednesday. So. So anyway, uh, for uh, anybody who's following this uh, and wants to follow the Q playoffs, um, but, uh, you know, it's still almost a point a game. Um, The Rampart as a whole, uh, they haven't had quite the one-sided offensive contests that uh, the Olympic have had in the first uh, two rounds of their playoff journey. Um, The Oceanic uh, did take them to overtime. Uh, here on uh, one occasion, and um, Quebec very much is. I mean, Gatineau's like this to an extent, but uh, Quebec very much has a scoring by committee mentality, um, where they have three lines that could go out and do damage at any given time, as you know most good junior teams would have. Uh, but what we're seeing is all three of those lines are regularly contributing. And when all three are regularly contributing in the scenario in which maybe the offense is not as uh, rampant as other teams, as a result, everybody everybody's numbers are going to be a little bit more diminished. But, uh, but Zach, you know, Zach, I, I wouldn't worry about the overall stats. What I would say about him is he is a guy with – all the talent in the world offensively. He's a guy who has worked on his skating, has worked on his edge work um, all the way through. Uh, he is, again, you know, are, are you gonna are you gonna have him uh, be your number one defensive uh, assignment taker amongst the forwards? No, but he's come a long way, and uh, even when St. Louis drafted him uh, in the first round. Uh, I think that is very much the case. They they saw a guy with um, so much offensive capability that you know what uh, we can teach him the defense when it comes when it comes time to do so. Uh, he's he's got certain tools in his toolbox right now you can't teach. Well, we had um, the most prolific uh, scouting ever on this show. My co-host of the show, Kurt Price, once said after the draft. Zachary Bolduc will never play in the NHL because his name doesn't work in the NHL. He says it's not an NHL name. <laughs> so I am holding him to that, and I'm like, I'm going to tell that to our Q expert 
and uh, get his opinion. What do you think? Is that an NHL name? Zach Bull. Well, okay. Is he going to be Zachary Bullduke or is he going to be Zach Bullduke? See, that makes a big difference. Mm. Um, I think Zach Bullduke makes the NHL. I think Zach Bullduke is borderline trend setting name. Uh, oh, Zachary, Zachary Bullduke. Yeah. You know what? Um, I'd say maybe the maybe it's a little bit more of an uphill road, for sure. You know, based on you know all of these professional opinions and the exhaustive research that's gone into them. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I see you know what what one person sees as impossible. I see as maybe a little revolutionary, depending on what what that uh, what that first name is. You know, the hand. You know, it, it all depends on the handle, Joe. And, I, uh, I'm with you. I'm yeah. with you. You know what? I'm with you. If he's Zachary, if he comes down and, and we look at the, the training camp notes and it's Zachary Bull Duke, I'm like, well, maybe next year. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. If, 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 if uh, Bull Duke ends up um, a year from now potting, you know, 30 in the AHL, it's because he's still Zachary. I think we, we can agree on that. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I'm going to make sure the co-host hears this one, because for sure, I think that's the right way to go. Uh, but no, in all, in all seriousness, Bull Duke, we talk about his points in the playoffs. Like you said, it's a scoring by committee on his current team. In the regular season, though, 110 points in 61 games. Clearly, he's got the offensive touch that you were talking about. And I've been reading scouting reports on this kid. He has rapid stick handling motions, takes a couple steps, can rip one on goalies. Um if you were to compare him to an NHL, I don't know if you want to even say sniper or just an NHL player in general, uh, who would be some comparables to what Bull Duke's ceiling would be? Ooh. Um, well, I'm going to say, I'm going to use the rash generalization on this one, Jeff, and say pick your favorite second slash third liner who sees time on the second power play unit. Um, mainly because he will, and you know what, quite frankly, I could see him perhaps developing into a bit of a power play specialist. Um, the, and my reason for saying that is, and you've already sort of alluded to it, uh, the stick work, um, the quickness with his release. I say he's getting an NHL release right now. He's got an NHL shot and he can burn you in any number of ways. Um, you don't, if, if he's stationary on the power play, you don't even necessarily have to get it in his wheelhouse. You've got to get it roughly in the wheelhouse and he will find a way to, uh, to put the flex on the stick and put the puck in the back of the net and from distance as well. You know, um, as as much as as much as a guy like you know Zach Dean, for example, uh, he's as he's as prone to uh, you know fire one from the half wall as he is to just muck around in front of the net and, and score the dirty goal. Zach Bolduke is scoring goal scorers goals hmm. on the rush. Same thing, um, and of course he does have a, a number of guys around him who can get him the puck. Theo Rochette being one of the biggest ones, the captain up in, in Quebec, another 100-point guy. Um, you know, uh, if, if the right person is distributing the puck to Zach Bolduc, even in stride, 
he will let fly with the one timer on a little half slapper and just decimate goaltenders. Um, 55 goals last year, another 50 goal season this year. And he's always had that ability too. And the funny thing about Zach Mulduke is he's had two things happen to him that may have, uh, amongst other things, um, hampered his ranking in the draft. Uh, the first thing was um, he actually did not attend his first uh, junior training camp. Um, he was still debating whether or not he was going to uh, maintain his uh, NCAA eligibility. The rules in the Quebec League, the rules in the CHL are if you attend a, a, a training camp for 48 hours or if you play in and or play in an exhibition game, you are no longer eligible to, to uh, play in the NCAA. So he didn't go to camp. He didn't show up in Ramuski until about three weeks into the season as a 16-year-old. And then he went out and scored about a point a game and had 30 goals. 30 goals in about 55 games as a 16-year-old in a, in what's really a, an 18, 19-year-old's league. Wow. Um, the second thing that happened to him, this was his draft year. Well, you know, a couple of things happened, quite frankly. First of all, that was, you know, the, the season 2020-2021 was the season where that was most deeply affected uh, by COVID, not just in junior, obviously from the NHL all the way down. Um, but between um, being scouted on essentially people's laptops, as opposed to being able to be in the arenas. And also uh, he suffered, I believe it was an appendicitis before, just before the playoffs in uh, in 2021, um, just before Ramuski was was headed into the postseason, so he did not get any looks in the postseason. Um, you know, add all of these factors up, and I know he still went. Uh, you know, he went uh, respectable. Um, Where did he go? Seventeen, I believe, uh, to the Blues yeah. in 2021. So he yeah, went seventeen. 17 correct. Yeah, but I mean, who's to say that? You know, that could have changed a little bit. Now, uh, his coach, uh, former coach in Ramuski, Serge Bosla, I remember talking to him going into that draft. And he said, you know, Zach's a first-round player. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, what we've seen over the uh, over the past year or so in the circumstances is probably going to knock him down a couple of more notches, uh, which ended up, as far as I'm concerned, you know, name notwithstanding. Uh, I think it's uh, definitely to the Blues' benefit, for sure, because, you know, going back to that initial comment that I made, um, for uh, virtually everything that you would consider a bit of a hole in Zach Bulduke's game are holes that can be taught, through, you know, whether it's strength and conditioning, whether it's uh, responsible defensive play, what have you. You can teach that. Um, and this is a kid with a chip on his shoulder, too. He was, you know, Zach Dean was on the Canadian national team. Zach Bolduc was sent home. And Zach Bolduc was very vocal about being sent home, uh, going so far as to make a comment about how uh, kids from Quebec get an unfair, an unfair disadvantage uh, when it comes to making that team. Um, Zach Bolduc's a kid with a chip on his shoulder. And if he can use that to his advantage, if he can learn the finer nuances of the game defensively, Thing that coupled with the pro level offensive skills that he already possesses, you know what? Maybe seventeen, number seventeen, turns into a bit of a steal. Yeah, 
I agree. Um, so we've got, let's just say, one spot on the St. Louis Blues roster that's open. Next training camp, they want to give it to a kid. They want to give it to a Zach, let's say. Who's getting it? Is it going to be Dean? Is it going to be Bull Duke? Or does it just depend more on what do we need to fill at this point? Uh, probably does depend a lot on what you need to fill. Um, and I will say this much, um, and Blues fans aren't going to like this, but just given the um, events of the last you know, half season or so, um, it certainly gives guys like Zach Bolduc and Zach Dean ample opportunity to have long stays in camp, maybe make an opening night roster. Um, if I'm a coach, I'm probably picking Zach Dean um, only because of the, uh, the polished two-way game, the responsibility that he seems to be able to uh, take on. And, and the other thing, too, um, Zach Dean as a third or a fourth liner, at least to start his NHL career, I think, first of all, he's going to accept the assignment, but he's not going to look out of place. I think you put a guy like Zach Bolduke on the third or the fourth line on a regular basis. And, let's, and, and you know, I say that knowing full well that, you know, Zach Bolduke does break through into the uh, – to the NHL. He probably does start it on the third line, but if Zach Bolduc doesn't find a way to get himself into a top six role, or at the very least um, a semi-regular or a regular on the power play, then I really think that's going to almost be a waste in a way. It, it, it's He's never going to be able to reach uh, potential without having people as refined offensively as him to play with, to skate with. So, you know, if I'm going to pick one, I'm probably picking Dean. But, you know, at the end of the day, like I say, Zach Bolduc never never count out the kid with the chip on his shoulder. And I agree with that. Zach, Zach Bolduc very much. I mentioned Brad Marchand at the beginning of this interview. Same idea. Um, in, in terms of just that, that, you know, uh, the attitude of, you know, okay, so I'm, I'm not on the team now. Well, you just, you know, give it time. I'll find a way on the team. And, uh, Zach Bolduc has never had, and, and, you know, for a guy like Bolduc who's never had that situation crop up until Team Canada, um, I think it was, it, it was, uh, certainly, it certainly got his back up. And uh, I'm pretty sure Patrick Waugh up in Quebec saw that scenario and said, hmm, you know, Zach Bolduke playing his normal game is very effective. Zach Bolduke with his backup, now we have a real thoroughbred here. And sure enough, he just went on a tear towards the end of the season. So, like I say, don't count him out, but I'll, I'll pick Dean. Okay. That's a good. That's yeah. to me, that sounds like the, the right pick, but. Like you said, you never know. Bulldu could step in in training camp, step in in preseason, and just be lights out, and it's okay. Well, we got to go with this kid. Good Lord. So we'll see. Uh, one more prospect I did want to get a, a, a quick opinion on you about, just overall in general, someone you're seeing right now in the Q playoffs. We mentioned him earlier with the Sherbrooke Phoenix, uh, Marc-Andre Gaudet. Uh, we talked about him last week with a friend of the show, Vanessa Graff. Uh, picked in the 2022 fifth round, number 152 overall for the Blues, a defenseman. Uh, what are you seeing in his game during the Q playoffs right now? 
Well, Mark Andre Gaudet's a very interesting um, guy, um, largely because he was. I'm not going to say he was playing in relative obscurity, but you know he was playing for um, uh, the Acti Bathurst Teton in northern New Brunswick, um, and he was a decent player on a strong team in 2022. Um, another guy who came in through the ravages of COVID, his first full season was 2020, 2021. Like I said, and as I said, you know, it's a situation where a guy scouting players was next to impossible or, or, or a very difficult task at best. Um, so he's a guy who just never got a, a lot of looks. Um, Ended up going to Shikudami in the offseason. Um, put up nearly a point a game uh, with the Sagnia and then became a very hot commodity on the trade market. Uh, found his way to Sherbrooke. Um, I think this was for, despite the fact that Mark Andre is not a top, top prospect. I do think this was a very savvy pick by the Blues. I think it was a very good use of asset management during the draft. Uh, you're taking, let's say you're taking a flyer on him because quite frankly, it's a seven round NHL draft nowadays. It's very rare that anybody takes flyers on anybody. Um, but you know what? You're using a lower pick, uh, hoping for a, uh, for a high return. And what Marc-Andre Gadette is bringing to the Sherbrooke Phoenix is one of the more solid two-way defensive games that nobody's talking about. Um, he averaged a point a game uh, the last half of the season in Sherbrooke. He's averaging almost a point a game for Sherbrooke in the playoffs for a team that is yet to lose. They're 10-0. and 0. Um, And he's able to eat up minute after minute after minute. Um, uh, in fact, just watching him on the ice here uh, in Halifax this past weekend for the opener of the semifinal. Um, he's a kid who's rangy, um, very rarely out of position, um, but doesn't get the same attention as two guys that are on the defensive depth chart with him in Sherbrooke. One's Tyson Hines, um, Anaheim pick, who was on Team Canada along with Zach Dean at the World Juniors. And uh, another guy by the name of David Spacek, uh, son of Yaroslav Spacek, for those who uh, remember Yaro in his NHL days, um, and also a player who played for Czechia at the World Juniors this year. Um, Gadet kind of slides in in that three spot, but if he was playing on almost any other team in the league, he'd probably be number one, um, or he'd be challenging for number one. Um, uh, well, I was talking to Stefan Julian. Um, just after the World Juniors, just after they made the trade for Marc Andre, and I just my my question to him was, you know, just give me a general rundown of the players, you know, you picked up. You know, obviously they, you know, they 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 definitely bolstered their lineup with guys like Jacob Melanson, who's a Seattle Kraken draft pick. Uh, they brought in Gadat. They brought in a, a goal. T- they switched goaltenders and went with an overager named Olivia Adam. And uh, the first guy uh, that, or one of the first guys that uh, uh, Julian mentioned, he said, you know, before 
the trade period even opened. He said the number one guy on the back end that we had in our sights was Marc-Andre Gaudet. Um, with total conviction. Uh, he was the guy that they wanted, uh, partly because he he fit a certain dynamic. Um, Sherbrooke uh, is very talented in all three zones, uh, but their transition game is, for my money, it's second to none in the Quebec League this year. And to have – and uh, Coach Julian had two guys on the first parent. That could that could handle that work in Spacek and Hines. Now he's got a guy in Gadet on the second pair that is every bit as adept. So essentially, he has got three defensemen on the ice for probably fifty out of sixty minutes in a regular season game or in a playoff game that can uh, that can headman the puck, that can lead offense, that can be catalysts on the back end. And at the same time, being very responsible defensively. And when you see the Sherbrooke Phoenix come into Halifax in a semifinal game and hold the top offensive team in the Quebec League to, I believe it was 19 shots on net in game one of that series in a 5-2 win, that tells you everything you need to know. Marc-Andre Gaudet plays a big factor in uh, the ability for Sherbrooke to uh, not only keep the puck out of their own net, but also lead the rush the other way. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah, I yeah. 19 shots. I look at the shot totals for these games, and a lot of them are 47 to 42, 45 oh, yeah. to 40. 19 not a, not a shots of, in yeah. one of those? <laughs> not a lot of neutral zone play uh, at the junior level, Jeff. Uh, no. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it's uh, – uh, like I, I would – if I was to pick a prohibitive favorite uh, for uh, – uh, a playoff champion in the queue. I am picking the Sherbrooke Phoenix. And uh, like I say, Marc-Andre Gaudet plays um, a rather substantial role, um, even though even though he may get overshadowed by the Joshua Laws and the Tyson Hines and, and, and guys like that, and maybe and the uh, David Spotcheks. You know, make no mistake, when uh, if, if they go all the way, uh, that kid is going to be every bit as memorable, um, not only for the people watching him, but especially for the guys that have to face, uh, have to face against him. Um, he's, they're going to remember his name. I say, it's hard to say with, with, with a guy like Mark Andre, where his professional future takes him. But, um, at the end of the day of his junior uh, career, especially in the last year, year and a half, is any indication the fact that he's been able to make a name for himself despite you know very trying circumstances at the beginning of his junior career uh, playing through the, through the the COVID season and not really getting the exposure that he normally would. If if how he's come out of that is any indication, who knows how far he can climb? Yeah, that's impressive. Sounds like the Blues made a very good pick uh, in the fifth round of last year. So we'll see how he pans out. But uh, Will, this has been very insightful. Uh, I know all the hosts of this show appreciate it, especially me. And, of course, our listeners will love hearing this insight from you. Um, they want to learn more. I know they will because our, our fan base, our listeners are hockey mad. So they're going to want to know more about these guys. Uh, they can follow you on Twitter at Will Mac. That's M-A-C, writer, uh, as in a writer. And, uh, yeah, so where else can they find your work? And uh, please uh, 
talk about where you are posting, where you are talking about hockey, and I know there will be people wanting to tune in. Okay, well, uh, I'm a regular contributor for uh, the Quebec League, uh, so that that's simple. Just go to the league's website, and uh, you will see uh, 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 sooner rather than la- sooner or later, you'll you'll find something with my byline on it. That's uh, www.thqmjhl.ca. Um, probably see if you don't see some coverage of me uh, from me during the uh, Gilles Courtois Trophy final, you'll definitely see it during the Memorial Cup, which will be in Kamloops, BC, um, in late May. Um, you can also find me uh, in the pages of the Hockey News, uh, on occasion online on the Hockey News, uh, for written content, uh, but largely I'm in the magazine uh, uh, more than anything. And uh, on a weekly basis, uh, you can find me at uh, THN on the Q or the Hockey News on the Q. Uh, it's a weekly podcast. Uh, myself and my uh, co-host, uh, Jamie Tozer, we uh, do a rundown of all the news throughout the league uh, every week, or almost every week. I think we've we've only missed one week in the past uh, since the beginning of the season. Um, gained some traction, and uh, for sure, we're always looking for new listeners, but we're always looking for interactive listeners. Anybody who has questions, anybody who wants to uh, wants us to discuss certain players, uh, certain teams, uh, by all means, send your questions in. Um, you uh, you know you you've already given the uh, Twitter address, Jeff. But again, at Will McWriter, um, you can even tweet out to the Hockey News for that for that matter. If uh, there's any uh, information you'd like us to touch upon, but um, yeah, there's a there's a few avenues that uh, I can be uh, found at Jeff for sure. But uh, on a weekly basis, the podcast is the main one. And, uh, you know, a bit of writing uh, here and there and uh, trying to uh, bolster the profile of not only the league, but uh, the players, especially the players within it. Uh, you know, they uh, a lot of sacrifice on their end uh, just to uh, get to this point. So, uh, you know, the least uh, I can do and my cohorts can do is, you know, shine the, spi- shine, shine the spi- spotlight on them and uh, just uh, give them a platform which uh, people can uh, get to know them a little bit better. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, and I know you uh, you guys had Zach Dean on this year, did you not? Yes, we did. We had him. We had his head coach, Louis Robitaille, uh, on our season premiere, actually. And, um, you know, he, um, there, you can tell, you know, you talk to, you know, I've talked to uh, Louis about Zach quite a bit uh, over the last three seasons. And, uh uh, Louis is never at a loss for words, which is quite amazing because just when you think he's said everything that he can possibly say about uh, about Zach, he comes up with something else because Zach keeps doing more and more things to impress him and his coaching staff. So uh, for sure, we will have we do have guests uh, on uh, THN on the queue. Um, say sometimes with a St. Louis connection. So uh, tune in. You never know who might be uh, gracing us uh, with their presence uh, at, uh, at any given time. All right. I, I have to ask, because we're in the midst of the NHL playoffs, who you got winning it all? Well, I'm glad you're – I'm glad we're recording this on Monday and not Sunday, uh, for one. <laughs> <laughs> Great point. <laughs> yes. Um you know what? I will go back to something that I said to some somebody earlier today. 
Um, and I think it takes a lot for us to wrap our heads around it sometimes. There's no such thing as a bad team in the NHL playoffs anymore. You know, I know myself Agreed. growing, yeah, growing up when it was, you know, it was still 16 teams in the playoffs, but there's only 21 teams in the league. Yeah, there were mm-hmm. some pretty bad teams that would sneak through uh, and, you know, and, you know, get, you know, bounced rather easy, rather early. And, you know, that it just by, by nature doesn't happen when, when only the top half of the league makes it, which makes yep. it very difficult to, uh, to uh, make this prediction, obviously. Um, that being said, and I will qualify this by saying, uh, if if they can um, if they can get through the second round in less than seven games, and it's not as much of a grind, I'm kind of edging towards the Edmonton Oilers at this point. Um, I mean, I think that their toughest, uh, their toughest assignment is coming up, uh, in Vegas, obviously, um, and, and a very well-rested Vegas team that looked very smooth in taking out the Jets. Um, but we also saw an Oilers team that was resilient. There were comebacks galore. There were, uh, you know, the offense kicked in when it needed to. And just when you thought, it was only going to be McDavid and Drysaddle over the first couple of games. After the first couple of games, secondary scoring really kicked in. The secondary scoring uh, can uh, keep producing on at least a semi-regular basis. You know, the Zach Hyman's and the Yamamoto's of the of the roster. If they can uh, keep that up, then they go from being uh, a strong team with two deadly players to being a scary team the two deadly players. So uh, I'll go with that. Um, you know, that, I, that I, was my pick. I, in the, I, yeah. That was my pick before the playoffs started. So I got to stick with them. So we're in agreement. <laughs> Very well. Now I did have them facing the Bruins in the final. So full disclosure. <laughs> I had, uh, I got the Rangers. So I guess I'm rooting for the Rangers tonight. You're still alive. As of, yep. as of this recording, you're still alive. <laughs> yep. We'll see. We'll see if that's the yeah. case when it posts. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome, Will. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate all the time you took tonight to talk with uh, me and, and not just me, but our, our listeners as well. And uh, we'll we'll have to have you on again sometime because I'm sure we will continue to have Blues players, well, Blues prospects come through the queue. So thank you very much. All right. Thanks for having me again, Jeff. Well, I again want to thank Will for his insights. Uh, a lot of, again, just so much information in that that was just so good to hear and you know, we got a lot from Vanessa last week. I feel like after this week with Will, we know everything about these prospects now, right? We know exactly how they're going to pan out because that's how it works. We'll see. Uh, so remember, Monday, May 8th is the draft lottery. So that is what's uh, next up for the Blues, as we say on this show. Uh, we'll likely have a live show to discuss that. I don't know if it'll be that night or later in the week. Uh, just stay tuned to us on social media. We'll let you know. Uh, the week of May 14th, which is the following week, We will have our first all-time team reveal show. And again, that is for the left-handed D. So do not miss that. That's going to be a lot of fun. I don't know what guest I'll have yet, but it'll be somebody from our panel. And uh, we will break that down and talk about which left-handed D belong on the team. So that'll uh, do it for this episode. Support for Let's Go Blues Radio is brought to you in part by RockinThatIDLife.com, where spring cleaning isn't just for your home. Let's clean up your health together. 
Visit rockinthatidlife.com for more information. That's rockinthatidlife.com. And get 10% off by emailing Dustin at rockinthatidlife at gmail.com and tell him Let's Go Blues Radio sent you. And by Mike Burgoyne from Real Brokerage Realty. Visit strikewithmike.com today for all of your home buying and selling needs. That's strikewithmike.com. And by Center Ice Brewery, St. Louis's tasty hockey-themed beer. Check out centericebrewery.com and navigate to the Where to Find Us page for availability. That's Center Ice Brewery beer. Please drink responsibly. That will do it for Episode 2 of Season 12 of the original St. Louis Blues Hockey Podcast. Let's go Blues Radio. Uh, that's it. Thanks kindly for tuning in, and have a great week, everyone. For Kurt Price, Bill Day, and Producer Austin, I'm Jeff Ponder, and I'll talk to you next week. This was Let's Go Blues Radio. Until next time, everyone, win a damn game, Cardinals. Keep it up, city. Let's go, Blues! Sit, Ubu, sit. Good dog. <laughs> you thought I was going to say, son of a bitch, didn't you? <laughs>